Amen, amen. Again, just wave to me and smile. It is a good way for me just to connect uh, when that beautiful bright light. Uh, I start to just take some moments just to look at you. And, and by the way, you look good. Uh, it is a privilege for us to be back again here. Uh, I don't see myself as a visitor. I see this as family. And I wanted to honor you for the way that you are honoring us and also being partnering with us to eventually take the gospel to some of the darkest places in the world. And also even for you to release your pastor and send your pastor uh, to join us and to be part of it. And I think that both he has shared and I've shared a few of the testimonies and some of the things that God did, both in Pakistan, what he's doing in Afghanistan. So I just wanted to encourage everyone here to focusing on what God is doing and never be distracted by what God is not doing. Let me say that one more time. In this season, I just want to encourage you to focus on what God is doing. Not what the enemy is doing, the political parties are doing. I'm not saying that is not important, but I'm saying our focus should be to see what God is doing so we don't get distracted by what God is not doing. So I, I decided, I know I'm going to be a little bit, uh, and I say that every time I'm here, so it's kind of a, a repeated record because the tendency in me, I wanted to talk fast, but I have a life coach that is telling me, slow down. <laughs> I eat fast, I run fast, I do everything fast. And with, uh, with Greg and Michelle, Greg and I, we meet together for lunch, and often there's like, there's so much going on, and I'm just learning to... <sighs> Breathe in, breathe out, and do some of these practical exercises. But something is in my spirit. And right before the service, when we came, uh, Michelle says, I just feel in there's something about the baptism of love in this season. And I know there's something strategic for you, but it was interesting. On my way up here, I was trying to figure out what, what do I call the message? Something was stirring in my spirit. And I just felt the Holy Spirit says, the baptism of love 2.0. And you will find out a little bit more. So I didn't realize that. So when she said it was a confirmation, I could call the message burning brightly without burning out. Because you're burning oil of intimacy with your lover. I was going to say maybe awaken to love. So I was just stirring through different ways. But I have these three chairs with me. And many of you know that three-chair message. But I feel for the Northland family, it's going to be a language. We have to have a culture if we're going to shape or change culture. And the kingdom culture is a family culture. The biggest hindrance right now, people are talking about the one billion soul harvest. And I know there's been prophets that has prophesied these words that it's going to be this one billion soul harvest. I still remember a few years ago in Nashville, I was doing this event. And then the, actually, Rainer Bonke had been speaking the message before me. So it's not always easy to follow Rainer Bonke. So that night I had a little nervousness and didn't sleep well in my room. And then, but that, that next morning I felt the Lord says, I don't want a billion orphans. I want a billion sons and daughters. Yeah. And, and, and often we are looking for the fire where God is looking for healthy fireplaces. And this is part of the shift and the change that you are seeing in this season. So before I share my message, it's going to be helpful for you. Pretty much what I'm saying is what lenses we have on, the paradigm, the perspective, how we see and perceive things. So as a result, I have these three chairs, which is kind of a classic of my message. So this is chair number one. Which chair is this? Let me try to help all of you that are used to the later service. This is chair number one. Which chair is this? This is chair number two. Which chair is this? And this is chair number three. Which chair is this? Everyone in the world, there's right now eight billion people in the world. But every one of them, they live their life from one of these three perspectives. You are either a chair number one person, a chair number two, or chair number three. If you are married, you either have a chair number one marriage, chair two, or chair three. If you have a business, it's either a chair number one business, chair two, or chair three. If this is a church, which it is, then this is either a chair number one church or chair two. Or hopefully not chair three. If you are in chair number one, say chair number one. It is all about the kingdom of God. Say kingdom of God. 
The Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. The purpose in chapter number one is being able to see the kingdom. The Bible says, repent, meaning get back into the penthouse where you belong. You re and pent. Why would you live in the basement when you can live in the penthouse with Papa God? A lifestyle of repentance. Change the way you think. Repent, for the kingdom is actually at hand. And I could go on and on about the kingdom lifestyle. Sons and daughters of the king, ambassadors of the king that represents the king. So, chair number one is about the kingdom of God. Chair number two is about the kingdom of self. Say kingdom of self. So, the people that are living... The life in chair number two, it is about me. I thought, or I felt, or I didn't like that song. Well, it was not for you, it was for him. (laughs) So the people that are operating in chair number two, the whole system and the operating system, and it is very frustrating in this season because even the salvation message is often based upon what Jesus is going to do for you. And you are in the center of it. And if he doesn't live up to the expectation, it leads to disappointments. So you then lower your expectancy level so you don't have to live with disappointments. So chair number two is about the kingdom of self. And then chair number three is about the kingdom of the world. Say kingdom of the world. I'm not going to spend much time on this chair. But if you're living your life in chair number one, you are saved. Say the word saved. Saved. Chair number two, you are saved. Say the word saved. Chair number three, you are lost. Say loss. So you can say about 1.8 billion Muslims, over a billion Hindus, over 600 million Buddhists, but also the majority of Atlanta, the majority of America, the majority of the world are living their life lost in chair number three. I just want us to get a little framework here as we are looking into the Word of God. So as I say, my focus is not going to be darkness because we don't have a darkness problem but lack of light. So we're going to see the key to chair number one, this whole root system, if I took you back and drilled these roots all the way to the beginning, you are rooted and grounded in love. Hey, you are rooted and grounded in love. You are rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. So you know how high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me. That was Ephesians 3.17. And 18, and then you're stepping into the exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can think and now. So the whole root system and foundation in Chernobyl is a God that loves this world so much that he will give his only begotten son. God is love, 1 John 4, 16. As I am, so are you in this world. So the whole root system, my chair two is a different root system. This root system is rooted in fear. Say fear. So if you study the root of it, and often fear has some friends, shame or guilt. So when you're getting in chair number two, it is fear. And when you have that fear, you feel you have to do something. And it is two manifestations of chair two. Because this, you're saved and you're getting to heaven, but you don't know how to get heaven to you. I don't know if you got that. The good news is that you are saved. And the good news, if you were to die today, you will get to heaven because of the finished work of Jesus. But the bad news is you're going to live like an orphan here on the earth. You are going to look at the watch while Jesus is looking at the harvest. You're hoping that Jesus is going to come while he's saying, go church, because he is not coming until the church is going. But be careful. This chair number one thinking can lead to dancing. And the Northland family, you can become joyful Christians. And maybe the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because in his presence, chair number one, there is fullness of joy. But chair number two is a different lifestyle. And we know that the majority of us, what we're going to see, and just learning as a framework, being Jesus followers as part of spiritual formation. Our journey is often we have a visitation of the dove in chair number one. Do you remember the dove came up on Jesus and it remained there? We have visited of the dove in the service. The worship was so awesome. Could you feel the dove? And then we go to the restaurant and the lady didn't treat us right. And we get right into chair two. 
And so we have pigeons the rest of the week. And pigeon religion is different than when the dove is there. Because when the dove is there, you are anointed. Say anointed. But when the pigeons are there, you are annoying. Say annoying. <laughs> when you are in chair number one, you are prophetic. Say prophetic. But in chair number two, you are very pathetic. Say pathetic. I'll just give you one example and then we kind of, I just want you to see the framework. Because the Bible says the kingdom of God is not chair two, eating or drinking, but it is righteousness. Say righteousness. Peace and joy in the Spirit. When you are in chair number one, righteousness, peace, and joy. Because it is in, in the Spirit. The kingdom is in the Spirit. And when you are in the Spirit, chair number one, those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. When you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. When you are in chair number one, the supernatural is what's natural. When you are in chair number one, you're not being affected by this world, you are affecting the world. When I'm in chair number two, it's like, oh, it's getting dark here. Oh, don't you see, I just got the news. And I'm getting these calls of people telling me. And I'm like, I'm getting so excited every time they talk about darkness because I'm in the light business. And every time there's darkness, my stock goes up. It all has to do with chair we're living in. If I'm in chair number two, I see how big Goliath is. If I'm in chair number one, I see how big God is. If I'm in chair number two, I see this cancer as a problem. In chair number one, healing is a promise. And, and we could just go on and on. All I'm doing is just setting a framework. And then I'm going to share a personal story on my own journey here. One of the biggest weapons of the enemy in this season that is connected to a bigger picture, I feel that there's an upgrade in love that is going to take place this morning. And there's a fresh baptism of love 2.0 that is going to take place. But it is connected to because myself, if you were asking me an honest question, of all the Bible character, which one of the character would you characterize you with? Or people, even when I was young, said, oh, you're so much like Peter. I didn't like that. Because Peter was one of those moments that in one moment, chair two, and the next moment, chair one. I mean, his intention was good. But he always ended up in chair two. And even later on, Jesus asked the question, who do they say that I am? Chair number three, the world. And they started to describe it. And then he says, who do you as my disciple says that I am? And at this time, but that's Matthew 16, Jesus says, Simon Peter, he gets a father revelation. That's a good way to know that's chair number one. That's the kingdom. So he's getting a father revelation and he looks at Jesus. To put it in another way, what was Jesus' special sauce? I go up to Atlanta to eat certain food. Actually, Every time I am home and I'm not traveling, I make a call and say, Greg, can we go out eating? And often he makes room for it and say, yes. And we go, there's a lot of good steaks up here, good steaks in Peachtree City, but we go to a place called Houston because they have this Hawaiian ribeye. And this Hawaiian ribeye is made with this special sauce. So if you're getting around Jesus and you smell or you start to taste and your palate is trying to prepare for something, you will recognize something about Jesus. This is the question is, I mean, if you're getting around Jesus, who is he? Who do you say that I am? And some of you, well, he is a lion. And we saw a lot of prophets because they didn't know the lamb. And by the way, in the future, Jesus is 24 times lamb and only one time lion. And the only time he was lion, the lion becomes a lamb. Revelation 5. So don't underestimate the power of the lamb in this special sauce. Because in you there is a lamb and there is a lion. And our identity needs to be in the lamb so that our authority is in the lion. And when we roar, people will gather and not scatter. So you maybe get a prophetic word in chair 2 and as lion, dominion theology, we're going to take this mountain. And it becomes us against them. But what we don't realize in chair number two is that we are eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then we choose who is the good and the other one has to be evil. Because we do not know how to abide in a tree of life. 
So in the orphan world, we are choosing which one of the orphans is best. And then from what we are doing is we're trying to kingdomize. And as a result of that, we have had all these lions that comes and roar and we're taking over or we're going to, and these bad people and these evil. I'll give you one practical example. I know I'm chasing a little rabbit here, but I think it's a good rabbit. <laughs> and as a result of that, you're starting to see this whole world here. We're wondering, why is this world in such a mess? It's because the 93% of the believers are in chair two. They have not denied Jesus. They've just denied our version of Jesus. But let me just say, who Jesus is to us is also who Jesus will be through us. So if you have a view of God that does not look like Jesus, and that could be father issue, it could be heart issue, it could be culture issue, but there's things that has happened in our lives. So if we don't do a surgery in chair number two and get rid of that orphan heart and the orphan spirit that is fear-based, oh, if you touch the lepers... You become unclean. Chair number one. If you touch the lepers, they become clean. So the operating system, you can look at all the scriptures, chair two. You can do prayer, chair two. Fasting, chair two. Prophecy, chair two. But if you do not recognize the root system, if it comes from fear instead of his perfect love. And all kingdom matters is matters of the heart. So can I go into my message now? Can you see a little bit of the difference? Okay, so then we see the framework. So I said that Peter is my kind of a guy to some degree, but I don't like him because there's some element that I didn't like about myself. And so part of that, when he's suddenly looking and hearing the Father revelation, you are the Christ. What does that mean? You are the anointed. You are the anointed. That's the dove. That's the dove. He recognized the dove in Jesus, the superglue of the dove that was always upon Jesus. The dove was always resting upon Jesus. This is an indicator, you know, in chapter number one, because when you are at rest in your identity, the dove finds a resting place. My, my two biggest ways to know I'm in chair two, which happens often, the two major ways that I know I'm in chair two, I don't have total peace. And the second thing is, I feel restless. So the indicator for me personally is I feel here, I, I need to do something. Because if you do, you have, that's how you become. That's the orphan wool. Well, in chair number one, <laughs> I am. I am, I am. And because of who I am, I already have. Jesus says, all that I have is yours. I don't live from measure, I live from fullness. I'm not living towards inheritance. I'm living from inheritance. I have an A plus before I take the exam. Jesus did. Before he healed any sick, preached any sermon, the Father says, this is my beloved Son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. Are you getting it? So anyway, to the story, uh, when Greg and I, I'm just going to be vulnerable. This is family time. Greg and I and our team came back from Pakistan. Here's often what the enemy is doing. He uses fatigue. Fatigue. So what's happening is, and that's what many of us experienced. We heard one of the worship people right before the service talked about has two small children. And constantly there is an issue. And so what's happening is we're burning down our emotional energy. And the enemy is just trying to wear us out. So you can be in chair number one, but when your emotional tank is low, he pushes the button of fear. So it starts with fatigue, and then fear comes in. Now I move into the wrong chair. And the way I respond, I react to things. Because when I'm in chair number two, I'm being overwhelmed by my circumstances. While I'm in chair number one, I'm being overwhelmed by his presence. Are you seeing it? So then... The next thing the enemy is doing is fear. Then the enemy says, you failed. He starts to blackmail you. And then shame will start to tell you who you are not. I know that I'm in chair number two is when shame starts to speak. But I also know who I am in chair number one when the father speaks. Because shame will always tell you who you are not. The father will always tell you who you are. 
He was speaking to your identity. Life, that's not who you are. I know you do that, but that's not who you are. And he brings you back again home where you belong. And the biggest thing with the spiritual maturity for us is, even if you're in a bus in your company, how fast are we when we get in channel number two to recognize that called self-awareness? One little story, and I am going to get to my message, but I just sense this excitement. I shared this in, we were in Europe, and Mama Frida and Jennifer and myself, we met with these leaders from 12 European nations, both leaders in the marketplace and in the church. And I think they represent like 2,000 churches and ministry. And I just did a three-chair every day for seven days, but different angles. And my goal was, let's do an orphanectomy. Let's get rid of the orphan spirit. Let's give them a baptism of love so they have the superglue. Let's the dove come so they don't have visitation of the dove, but habitation. Why would you want to have visitation when you can have habitation? So we were doing that. And then already by the lunch break, first I see this lady and she is from actually from Holland, a pastor's wife in middle 60s. She said, I, and she talked chair to it's just struggle and everything else. And she just went through the whole thing. And even my husband and my devotional life is actually chair two. That's all we have done. We pray the Lord's Prayer from chair two. Our Father which art in heaven, we pray. We read the Bible from chair two. Our marriage is chair two. We raise up chair. And I'm like, good. And she's like, you're weird. <laughs> but what, because I got that scripture verse. Jesus says, come. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. If you are in chair number one, you're not qualified for that scripture verse because you're already there. But as soon as you're going into it, and I hadn't said that before. So as soon as you are in chair number two, it's an invitation, an invitation, while the enemy is trying to do a condemnation. Oh, you did it again, again. As far as east is from the west, so far is your transgression from me. It doesn't exist in my book. So the enemy is going in there. So this lady, I said, good. And I said, he's inviting you. Come, come to me. All of you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you chair number one rest. My burden, not your burden. Your burden, chair two, is heavy, overwhelmed. My burden is easy and my Yoke is light. Learn from me. That's the only time in the New Testament he talks about his own heart, how to learn from his heart. Learn from me. Learn from my heart that is low and humble of me. And I will give you, chair number one, rest. Rest for your soul so the dove find a resting place. Be careful. The supernatural will be natural. And the fruit of the Spirit, if somebody bump into you in the traffic of Atlanta... Patience, kindness, because when you squeeze somebody, what's in them comes out. But just remember that when you get in Chernobyl, anger, fear, it's an invitation, not the condemnation, to come home where you belong. So here we are, the story. So the person that I wanted to be like is John. John was a typical chair too. Let's get fire from heaven to destroy the ones that don't receive you, Jesus. He reminds me about some of my prophets' friends. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, those demo, democrats, he's called them. <laughs> I'm like, and, and, or, oh, that group, or oh, that group, or oh, what was them, and what was them, and what were, I mean, oh, 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 oh. And I go into my friend, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like, getting a little overwhelmed here. It's like, because what we do, I want you just to capture this. And then he's, here's this one statement that was said, just being aware of the chairs. In a moment, he maybe is normally a chair one, but when there's something in you that is not comfortable with love, there's something in you that is not comfortable with God. Because God is love. And deception is very deceiving. So it's just in a moment your intention was good, but in the next moment he says, well, if God does not judge America, what's happening in Washington, D.C., he's going to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm like, the problem in Sodom and Gomorrah was not the perversion in chair three. And he's like shocked. How could you say such a thing? I said, the problem was, do we have 50 chair number one righteous? Yeah. Yeah. Then we would change chair three. 
What if we have 45 righteous? Can we change it? What if we have 40? I don't know if you see the perspective. I'm trying to help the Norton family because God is doing something new. It's not been done before. But it's going to have to be from chair one. So here we are. John is the very one. And by the way, the five cities that have experienced the most judgment in America is the cities that the Christian have judged the most. Chair two. Instead of us stepping into a ministry of reconciliation, chair one. I know what Barabbas deserves. Can you place that on me so he can become free? That's called a ministry of reconciliation. That radical Muslim who wants to kill me, I take his place. That's the lamb in us. You have authority over what you weep over. And you have authority where you love. One is the lamb and the other one is the lion. But when the lion roared, the Sunnis and the Shia comes together. The atmosphere in the mosque is changing. They don't know exactly what's happening. Because here you're not just checking the temperature, you're becoming a thermostat. That sets the temperature that is in heaven into that environment. And as a school teacher, we say, thank God it is Monday. Others say ADHD, you say creativity. Because in chair number one, you don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny. So in this journey for me, Peter, Peter, let's get away from Peter, John, because I saw John went from being that. Uh, there's crowds around Jesus, including you, and many of you that are watching online, there's crowds around Jesus. And then there was 72. Oh, I remember when Randy Clark prayed for me. I got to be among the 72. Signs, wonders, and miracles. And then there's the 12. Ah, covenant, uh, community, family, following before fishing. I love what the 12 got to experience with Jesus. And then among the 12, there was three. And then among the three, there was one. And who was that? Who was that? John. John had something with Jesus that Peter and James didn't, that the 12 didn't, that the 72 didn't. And why John? That started to be my question. So I spent 12 years on John. I am like Peter, but I wanted to be like John. I wanted to capture that. I had experienced the baptism of love 1.0 in 1999 when the liquid love of the Father came upon me and waves and waves of love and that swept into the nations and we know some of the fruit. I had experienced the 1.0, but I didn't know the 2.0 and I started to study it with John because John had something that I wanted, I desired, I longed for. So after this long journey of being on a journey with John, and let me just give you a couple of simple, one time there in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. I'm just framing this up. And then at that moment, Jesus says, as, chair number one, as I have loved you, love one another. Meaning you first receive. Everything in chair number one can only be received. And the receiving comes from rest. Salvation, healing, everything can only be received in the kingdom. Chair two is all about achieving. Chair number one, it's all about first I receive, then I become, then I release. I receive, become, release. So it is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. So in this journey with John, and I wrestled so back to, so I came from Pakistan and we were tired and beaten and finally it was busy, busy, busy. And then I said to my wife, and I sometimes in, if I listened to my wife a little bit more, I would have a few less scars. But I'm like, wow, today is Sabbath, it's a day of rest. I got this new electrical bike. And she's like, why don't you go out in the backyard? And I had a little, didn't realize a little restlessness. Let's get out. And so I went on the bike. And then as I'm going 32 miles an hour downhill, there's this demonized squirrel that goes in the front of me. <laughs> I had that look in the eye, just whoo. So I thought, that's safe, but it changed direction, went right back into the front wheel, and in the next moment, I had my first flying lesson. I know you talked about the eagle soaring. It was me flapping across. And I busted my elbow, my neck, and back, and I'm in the emergency room. So I'm cutting and hurting, and suddenly I'm coming like, oh. And from there, there was a few others. I had a physical, emotionally, and even spiritual. So finally, there was... A few other things that happen, and I'm in chair two with the super glue. And it is that Friday, I'm sitting there, it's like, God, I got a little problem here right now, and I'm just, and I'm just 
whining instead of shining. Just telling God about, oh, pitiful me, here I am, I served you and given up everything, and here's the devil. And I chair to you, and I'm like, and why? And it was this heavy cloud, and I don't have depression, but suddenly this depression, heavy cloud. And I had sent a picture of my injury to the top Muslim leader. And then I suddenly, a few moments afterwards, I get his little video clips. And on the video clips, it is actually in the Bachai Mosque, King's Mosque, during Juma prayer, the holy time, in the King's Mosque, on television for the whole nation. All of them are praying for me. 60 million Muslims are praying for me right now. That doesn't help my faith. <laughs> so I'm in chair two, and 60 million Muslims, ah, Brother Leif, ah. So I asked my intercessors, how are you doing, guys? <laughs> I have 60 million on that side. We can't have some chair too. And then, just being honest with you, and then he says, Leif, and let's open up our Bible just to make this meeting legal. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. But he says, Leif, do you love me? Let's start in verse... 14, John 21, verse 14. And the beautiful thing, we don't have a second service. And Greg said they could deliver lunch at 3 o'clock today. So I'm so excited. I'm just, I get Some of you went into chair number two right now. I got you. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to chair number one, everyone. Verse 14. This is, now the, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. And he says, Simon. Remember earlier he got a chair number one named Peter. But he still went back to operate as a Simon. So Jesus says, chair two, Simon. Chair two. Do you see the difference? Upon this rock, upon this Peter, upon this identity, anointed son, anointed son, upon this identity, I will build a church, the gates of hell will not prevail against, and I give you the keys of the kingdom. But despite of that revelation, he still ended up as a Simon. Visitation. He says, Simon, excuse me, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Leif, Leif, do you love me more than anything? More than your ministry? Sometimes your ministry take away from intimacy. But Leif, do you love me more than this? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I know in the Greek, agape, Jesus is asking, do you love me with a cheer, one love, agape, the love, as I have loved you, that kind of a love? Peter answered with a filio, chair two love. Friendship, it's just an interesting nuance in the language. Second time he said, yeah, then he said, feed my lambs. Second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says, this time, tend to my sheep. And it was interesting, the first time when I sat there, we had just had an incident, I got one of those hate packages. There's times when uh, people are sending you these beautiful, nice packages to test which chair you're in. And since my emotional tank was down, this package came from Norway, and it was one of those false prophet packages that I was a false prophet. And there was Q-tips in there for me to clean my ears and... So some of, those, some of those things. So I had to feed my lambs. Immature sheep. People that act immature, how do you respond to them from chair one? Anyway, so that was just the first love. And I'm like, first time he says, Leif, do you love me? And I'm like, we've just been in the Middle East. I went out in the middle of night, sat down with a Taliban, gave my life, left everything. Chair two. So he goes second time, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Third time, you get offended. Third time, that Friday, he says, Leif, do you love me? And this is my, I'm in the 2.0 version, would you? And in two weeks' time, there's a new launch of what God is doing. But I don't think that we're going to move into what is next before we just deal with this one. Stop for a moment with everything that's going on and get the invitation for your upgrade. In love. Are you okay? Just wave to me if you're okay. 
I'm almost landing this plane, and I shouldn't say that because my wife gives me the look. There's a very long runway. Do you love me? The third time, tend my sheep. Yeah, and then the third time, do you love me? Peter was grieved, verse 17, because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, Lord, you know all things. You know, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And then he says, surely I say to you, when you were younger, a little chair too, You girded yourself and you walked wherever you wished. That's chair two. But I saw that when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another gird will carry you where you do not wish. He describes him in chair one, how Simon Peter is eventually going to die. And some historian says in 64 AD, when eventually the chaos came, that he went back into the chaos, reached out and says, I'm not worthy to be crucified like him. And some historian says he was crucified upside down. All I'm saying, what happened to this guy that had an intention? So let me just kind of give a little of the journey, and we're going to get a couple of gold lessons for the 2.0 version. Peter has been on this journey. One of the first time he met him, remember the fishing. The verses right before that, the Bible says, starting in verse 1 and 2, you will see, Peter went back to fishing again. Before, right before here. They come back to fishing again. Not just him, all of them have gone back to fishing again. And there's a lot of people right now, you're trying to navigate what used to be. And you're trying actually to find something that is work. And you used to be a fisher, but just remember, and I want to challenge each one of us to go back to the day when you first met him. Not as a savior, but as a Lord. When you suddenly came in there and then he says, this guy is on the shore and you've been fishing. You've done the best that you can in the flesh. And then he comes in and says, hey, let me show you a different way of fishing. And they had more fish that they could handle. And he gets this wow effect, this lordship, this chair number one. I'm going to give my life to this guy. He left his wife. He left everything to follow Jesus. And he became this person with an intention that I will be in chair number one. I'm surrendering all. I'm giving up everything. My intention was good. But over this journey, we know the story. There was a lot of ups and downs. And Jesus takes them on the journey. And then they're in John 13. And they also had communion. And eventually, Jesus says, as I have loved you, chair one, you love one another. And that's how they're going to see. That's how Atlanta is going to see. How Norcross, the school system, this is how this world is going to see who we are. Because we've learned how to love the way that I love. With my love, the agape love. Not the best that you can do. That's filial. That's conditional. This unconditional love. So anyway, in this journey, and Peter goes through this journey, and then Jesus says, one of you are about to betray me. Not me. And everyone is going to scatter. One version says, and hey, if everybody else leave, I will never leave. I'm going to be there in chair one. I'm going to be with you. Palm Sunday come along. Everybody wants a king. But Jesus changes and then Thursday come along that night. And then eventually we know they come and they capture him. I've been in a situation like that. The emotional tank is down. It's been, they're tired, they're fatigued. They've had a long little COVID season. In the middle of all this fatigue factor. And suddenly that night is chaos. I've been there when 500 guys shows up with guns and machine guns. And then the next moment I'm moving away from chair number one, right into chair two, getting overwhelmed. And so I understand, Peter. That's the painful part. And at this moment, it was not his intention, but he's not running like the rest of me. He stay on a distance and he walks with John and he coming in. Greg and I was just in the outer court. We, we met with actually one of the top Pashtun leaders. But there's this outer court, but John had relationships, so he knew somebody on the inside. So they follow Jesus on a distance, and they're going up into this room where the torture begins. And you can read that in the scriptures. And, and Peter, eventually John said, hey, he's with me. And John gets to come inside. You can hear this sound, and you can feel the fear. Your emotional tank is down, and then you see a fire. I'm just giving you this as a warning sign, that the enemy is going to build a fire when your emotional tank is low. For you to warm yourself up. Something that makes you feel good. Because pain seeks pleasure. Yeah. 
And at that moment, hey, were you not the one? And remember, Jesus has said right earlier that you're going to deny me three times before what? When the rooster had crowed three times. How many times did Jesus say, do you love me? How many times did he deny him? The first time he left fishing and followed Jesus. Second time, he go back to fishing. I want you to see all the correlation. You had a 1.0 version. He knew how much Jesus loved him and he followed Jesus. He was giving everything for Jesus. But he needed a 2.0 version to get ready for the Pentecost fire. And some of us, what I just feel like what God has invited the Northland family in today, together with me. I will not go into the future without first settle this fire. So here is the story we know. Crippled there by fear, and here they are in that place. And by the third time, Peter is in superglue in chair two. Then you're coming in, there's Friday. What a horrific day. John stays around at the cross, and then there's a long Saturday. For some of you, it's been a two-year Saturday. And I'm just here to encourage you, Sunday is coming. But then after that, certainly John 20, verse 19 to 23, Jesus comes and he appears among them. Wow, he's alive, yeah, wow. Present, peace, provision, and Jesus fills that room. I would have thought that you're going to stay in chair number one after those encounters. And then the second time Jesus does it again. And the verses just read it right before John 21. Jesus did all these miracles and supernatural things right before. And then Jesus is just gone for a few moments and boom, they're all into chair two again. This is after the resurrection. This is after supernatural encounter. This is after everything they've been through. How, how is it possible, Peter? This is what, oh, Leif Hetlin. This is a Friday. And I know the mosque is praying and how do you still end up in this chair? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. Last time I said, I will never do, I know my intention is good. There's nothing wrong, but something is not right. There's still a black hole in your soul. A place where love has not penetrated yet. So when Jesus is doing this, if you hear this from chair two, you think that Jesus is going to rub this in. Just give me five minutes. And so here we are, going right into this place where now in John 21, they go fishing. And we remember that all these guys went fishing with him and they can't get anything. Anything we are trying, I cannot go back. I'm no longer who I used to be, but I'm not yet become what I'm supposed to become. How many identify with that? That's the change, the transition, the inlet. This is before birth, the little baby, little push, big baby, big push. You've been pregnant, and a lot of the people, when the, the discomfort wasn't that, that you're about to birth something, but in the middle of it, Pentecost has not yet come. You have the promise of the fire, of the wind, and of the wine, but you're in the middle of all of this, where you feel like, I just want to abort what this is, because I don't understand. And when I don't understand, I don't know how to value what's going on. So here we're coming in and all night they are fishing and then early in the morning they are heading in and this guy yelled, hey boys, did you get any fish? No fish, even his hands, it's been three years since he used his hands that way. So many pastors, so many people, they're trying to navigate and going back to find something that has comfort. Something that I can do, but that's not going to work any longer, there's not any oil there any longer. And Jesus comes, and that's what it did for me, and it's going to do for you, and I'm landing there. Hey, boys, did you get any fish? And throw it out, and then we know 153 great fish, and they're just so blown away. And then John says, hey, it's the Lord. Do you remember the Lord? That's who he left. Some of us, we've had a Savior. We've forgotten who is Lord. We were in it for the benefits, but we've forgotten the Lordship to follow your sonship. And so we have all these shipwrecks. And so we're disappointed with him. But then when Jesus comes there, but the biggest disappointment was Peter. And this has been my biggest disappointment. 
Like my shame has come in and say who I am not. And I was not a good enough father or not husband. I was not a home enough and this and that. I mean, so you're going into it. So the enemy starts to blackmail you. You're getting into church too. And yes, you have maybe done all of those different things, but the enemy goes in and this was Peter and we didn't know. So he comes in with a boat eventually. He, I'll make the story short. He had his shorts. So he jumped in water and jumps in while he put on his clothes. Maybe his fishing cloth. And he swims in and there Jesus has built a little fire and you see these coals. When was the last time there was coals? The denial. And that fire is going to take you back. For me, it was the loss of Papa Jack. The three close people in my life was taken. I sat that Friday. How did you handle loss? Disappointment. I mean, so suddenly this fire, when you have breakfast with Jesus on the beach, which is another good title, and you're sitting down there, you're coming in, and then you see this fire, something in your triggers, and you realize, yes, you have experienced the resurrection, healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. You have forgiven, you have all these things, but there was something missing that can make you go back to try to fish again. But the 2.0 version, and here's the key. Here's what John had that I never saw before a couple of weeks ago when I had this experience. That very day, for the first time in Peter's life, Peter loved Peter the way Jesus loved Peter. That's the 2.0. There's one thing to know how much he loves you. I do that. And to love even the darkest places in the world. But John loved John the way Jesus loved John. That's why he could say it six times. I'm the one that he loved, to the disciple who Jesus loved. But until John loved John the way Jesus loved John, and that was the missing piece in Peter's life. So what Jesus did with his fire, he brings him back to the other fire and the denial and everything else. And three times, he restored everything from the past. And then he said, let me tell you something. When you were young, charity, that's how you were. But let me tell you how I saw you. I've always seen you as the one that will lay down your life. It was up on you. You're going to build a church. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. will discover this identity. I saw you as a chair one, as a Petrus. I saw you as a rock from the first time. But you have not yet seen you the way I see you. You do not yet love you the way I love you. You have not experienced yet. And that's what I'm doing right now. And you're still carrying stuff from your past that is bringing you into now. But you're not going to need that as we're moving into a new fire. The Pentecost fire that's going to make you burn brightly. Full of courage. Full of faith. This is who you are. God is not going to treat you based upon your history, but your destiny. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Are you guys okay? Holy, holy is his love. Holy, holy is his fire. Do you, this is between you and him. I'm in the process on the third love that just goes through. On my last trip to Norway a few weeks ago, I visited a guy that drove me into the mountain wall, broke my back and destroyed my life. I've had chronic pain ever since, and there was never any disclosure. There's all these things, but this time I had breakfast with Jesus on the beast, and that love goes into all of that, and I sat with him for four and a half hours, didn't feel the sting of all of that, because what men meant for evil, God meant for good. I went into the people that have betrayed me. I went into the people that have stolen. I went through that love, love, love. Breakfast with Jesus on the beach. Do you love me? And the love just goes into all of those places. Whoa! And it changes everything. As I have loved you, you love one another. And it's going to be a tsunami wave of love sweeping into our marriages, into our kids, into our homes. Praise God. Father, just, just hold out your hands and... Holy, holy is his love. Sure. I know that you love him. And I know that he loves you. But my question this morning, I don't know who is going to come here, but I've just the question this morning. Do you love you the way that I love you? Do you believe in you the way I believe in you? When I called you to follow me, I saw something in you. But do you see in you what I see in you? Some of you wanted to go back and try to find something else. 
because you have not seen you the way that I see you. Nortland family, it is also for you as a large family. There's a Pentecost and there's another fire, but we're going to stop at this fire and allowing, do you love me, Michelle? Do you love me? It's not that he does not know, but he wants you to know what he knows so that you will look in the mirror and see what he sees. And that is called the truth, and that truth will set you free. That perfect love takes away all fear. It takes away the shame, even if you felt, well, there was that divorce. There was that, and you can just, things comes in. He is not there to condemn, but to invite. And allowing his love to go into those deepest ears in your life so that you will live fully loved. So, Father, I just release that baptism of love 2.0. It is a process. It is a process. 10% of you will experience and encounter directly in regard to your meaning. Wow, something would change from this moment. But the rest of you will go through a process just like I'm doing it. The next moment, there's another wave of love going in, and there's that Pete that drove the car. There's the loss of Papa Jack. There's when Todd went out. And then I asked my heart, heart, what do you feel? And my heart says, I feel sad, and I feel lonely. I have all these people around me, but my heart was sad and lonely. And then I realized as the love took in, I realized there was something that was empty in my heart because of the losses that I had that I never felt. And he wanted to heal those things because healed people brings healing to people. Hurt people hurts people. And Jesus, the Prince of Shalom, of wholeness, is here to... We're no longer going to carry that as we're moving into Pentecost. We're going to be free because whom the Son set free is free indeed. So, Father, I just thank you. Say thank you, Papa. Say thank you, Papa. For your love. Say for your love. Say, I'll receive the perfect love, the way that the Father loved Jesus, that Jesus loved the Father, the way Jesus loved Jesus. Jesus loved Jesus the way the Father loved Jesus. Say that. That is covenant. That means at one moment. And he didn't have to look for love in the wrong places. And then he prayed, that love is going to be in you. That love is going to be in me. And the world, America, Atlanta, is going to see who I am because we've received it. We became love through process. And we started to live it in Jesus' name.